You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. All right, let's take our Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 1. After hearing of Brother Wesco's death, I got out my Bible and I began to read, and this is the passage of Scripture that the Lord directed me to. It's a familiar passage of Scripture, and I really want to draw the truths out of it tonight and maybe see a parallel between Brother Wesco's life and the life of the Apostle Paul and the life that God has called each and every one of us to live. And so this message, I think more than any other message that I've ever prepared, just kind of flowed off of the pages of Scripture. And I trust that it'll flow into your heart tonight and that uh, we will leave here very much changed by the power of God's Word. I've entitled the message tonight, Die Before You Die. Die Before You Die. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Paul says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out, rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now drop down to verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always so, now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We all must die before we can truly live. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not. For I am at straight betwixt two, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Heavenly Father, bless the preaching of your word tonight. This is uh, from you to me and to your people, would your Holy Spirit use these words tonight in a very effective way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I would really ask if our young people would really give me their heart tonight. I know I often speak directly to our young people. I will be preaching to all of us and particularly to myself tonight. But there are some things that I will say this evening that I think are very pertinent for our young people here in our church who I am very 
concerned about in their spiritual walk. I think it'd be good for us just to kind of step back here for a moment and to give you some background into what was happening in the Apostle Paul's life. If we pick up from his conversion on the road to Damascus until he was beheaded for the cause of Christ there in Rome, we're looking at about 32 years of ministry. Six of those years, six years, in several different imprisonments, Paul was confined. The writing of this epistle here is what we know as one of the prison epistles written to the Philippian church while Paul was incarcerated in Rome. The church at Philippi to whom this letter is being written was started as a result of Paul and Silas's ministry in Philippi. If you remember, they came across Lydia and they led her to the Lord and her family gets saved and they come across a little demon-possessed girl who used to tell fortunes for her master and she's gloriously saved and no longer has a connection to the spirit world and her former owner is so upset he gets the city in an uproar against Paul and Silas and casts all kinds of false accusations against them and they are beaten and they're in prison and they're in prison they lead the Philippian jailer to the Lord. And remember how the prison doors came open and the Philippian jailer takes them and, and he ministers to their wounds and takes them home and uh, everyone in his family gets born again. And that became the nucleus of this church to whom Paul is now writing this letter. After he was released from the Philippian jail, he had a real passion in his heart to go to Jerusalem and to preach the gospel there in the capital city. But he was warned by a prophet by the name of Agabus that if you go, you will be persecuted and you will be imprisoned. And your life will be in jeopardy if you go. And Agabus was very strong. And his counsel to Paul, do not go to Jerusalem. And then all of his friends gathered around him and tried to convince him that he shouldn't go. Kind of sounds like Brother Wesco, who went despite many saying it's a very dangerous place. But he went anyway. And listen to what Paul said. And when he heard these things, both we... And they of that place besought him. We begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm going. And he went. He died before he died. The Bible says, and when the seven days were almost ended, now he's in Jerusalem. The Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him, Paul, in the temple, they stirred up the people and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help! 
This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place. And further, he brought Greeks also into the temple and he has polluted the holy place. For they had seen before him in the city with Trophimus who was an Ephesian whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. But Paul had not. And so here Paul is maligned. All kinds of false accusations come against him. Let me tell you something. You better learn how to deal with false accusations because it's a part of life. Amen. Suck it up. Get over it. Quit whining. Do anything for the Lord. You're going to be falsely accused. <clears throat> and he was. And so the people gather around him, and they are, they are beating the tar out of the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> I can imagine that they are kicking him and spitting on him and beating him with their fist. And this drew the attention of some Roman soldiers. And so they immediately went over. There were some soldiers and centurions, and they ran down under them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers coming, they ran away and they stopped beating the Apostle Paul. Paul was then taken by these soldiers and he was put in chains. Certainly he must have done something wrong to have been beaten like this by this angry mob. By the way, they were Democrats. <laughs> so the soldiers, they chained Paul and they brought him to the castle of Antonia which served as a barracks for the Roman soldiers, and it also was an observation point that overlooked the Temple Mount where they could keep an eye on what was going on. Just as he was being brought into this castle, as he was on the stairway, he turned. Now, now remember, he has been beaten to a pulp. He is locked in chains. He's being taken into the castle. And he turns to the captain of the guard and says, would you give me permission to speak to the people who just beat me up? And he turns and you know what he does? He shares the gospel with these people. He tells them the gospel by telling, him, telling them his life story, how he came to know the Lord. False charges were then brought to Felix who was the Roman procurer by the high priest. Felix, who was a Roman officer, a proculator, I guess you would say, who was in charge of investigating situations like this and bringing charges Concerning crimes, a proculator was also sometimes considered the governor of that certain area, and he was given a small detachment of troops to try to control the people. Well, that was, that was Felix, and so Paul is brought to Felix for judgment, and Felix basically just locks him up in prison for two years. That's Acts chapter 24. After two years of being in prison, Felix sends Paul over to another Roman proculator by the name of Festus, who was a proculator not in Caesarea, but in 
Jerusalem and had come up to Caesarea for some business. And so Felix says to Festus, hey, I want you to go meet this guy by Paul. I've had him locked up for two years. He keeps wanting to make an appeal of his case. Why don't you go hear his case? The Bible says this, but Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem and there be judged of these things before me? Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. Why? Because, yes, he was a Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen, so he could appeal directly to Caesar. He said, I want to stand before Caesar, where I ought to be judged. The Jews, to the Jews, I have done no wrong, as thou knowest very well. So Festus agrees that he can be transported to Rome and have a hearing before Caesar. But before he could relinquish that responsibility to send Paul to Rome, Paul had to stand before King Agrippa. Remember that name? And King Agrippa was the one to make the final decision to, okay, go ahead, we'll send you back up to Rome. So Paul stands before King Agrippa. What does he do before King Agrippa? Gives the gospel. Gives his complete life's testimony from the road to Damascus to his conversion. And King Agrippa looks at Paul and he said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Wow. Paul is then sent to Rome. Remember the shipwreck and everything that happened? And, but he finally got to Rome. The Bible says, And when we came to Rome... The centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier chained to him that kept him. How would you like to be the soldiers that had to be chained to the Apostle Paul for two years? And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house under house arrest. And received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concerning the Lord Jesus with confidence, no man forbidding him. You know, I have to believe that those soldiers must have fallen in love with this apostle and encouraged him and helped him, allowed people to come in and be ministered to by Paul. While under house arrest... There in Rome is when Paul wrote what we know as the prison epistles. Am I giving you enough background here? The book of Ephesians, Philippians, which we're in tonight, Colossians and Philemon were written while Paul was in prison. See, God just had to slow him down so he could get these books of the Bible written for us. Paul is then released, but then shortly after he is imprisoned again because you can't Shut a good man up. Now, I don't know about you, but if I would have been through all those things, don't you think you would have been maybe a little bit more careful about where you're preaching the gospel and who you're preaching the gospel to? No, Paul is now rearrested. What's this, the fourth time? This time, his release would be to heaven. 
And he realized he's not getting out. It's not going to be another two-year stay. He wrote to his beloved son Timothy, he said, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, but not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. Timothy, would you come to me shortly? Would you bring my Bible? Would you bring my coat? Oh, how I need the scriptures. And oh, it's cold down here in this prison. Would you bring my coat? And then he says this. Ah, oh, Timothy, Demas hath forsaken me. Having loved this present world. You know, his heart was broken over Demas. And I want you to understand something. I feel the same way when I see carnality and worldliness among our members here at Fellowship Baptist. I'm telling you, it breaks my heart. Dying before you die. Our text, look at verse 20 and verse 21 of Philippians 1. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed... But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Listen to me, church. The key to living a victorious Christian life is dying before you die. We have a big problem in the church of Christ today. And that is we have not learned how to die. And because we haven't learned how to die as Paul died, we're not living for the Savior as we should. Why are there, I've asked this question many, many times to myself and to others. Why are there so many carnal Christians? And I ask myself of that in this precious church that the Lord has given us, where, hey, I know how the word is preached here. I'm the one preaching it. I know we're not on the side of compromise and worldliness and carnality, and we're not in any way trying to feed that here in our church. And yet, we deal with worldliness and Demases. And not only does it break the heart of this preacher, I'm telling you, it must cause our Savior to weep in heaven. The reason so many of us struggle with carnality is that we have not learned to die before we die. I'm going to be honest. I've always been honest with you over the years. I've always tried to be a straight shooter with you. I've not been one to cover up things. Whether they're things that are happening in my own personal life, with my family, with my children, or here in the church, I believe that is destructive. If we cannot be honest and forthright with each other, who can we be? 
But I want to be very honest with you tonight. I've been doing this a long time now. And I'm really getting tired of dealing with carnality. And I know you're probably there saying, but that's the preacher's job. I'm just being honest with you. I'm getting tired of it. I'm getting tired of seeing what carnality is doing in individuals' lives, what it's doing in families, and what it's doing in our church. Dealing with the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And the reason is we haven't learned to die. So many of God's people are carnal. So many. Vast majority. Many of them don't even realize how carnal they are. Some of them even think that their carnality is spirituality, if you can believe that. The hypocrisy. Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, ye hypocrites, for ye are, for ye are as graves which appear not. They're so beautiful, they don't even appear like a grave. And when men that walk over them are not even aware of them. You walk over them, don't even realize there's someone dead down there. And he answered and said unto them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy unto you, you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Brother Pierce and I had a discussion last Sunday night after church. There was some acts of immorality that had happened quite some time ago that I was totally unaware of that happened in our school. And I told Brother Pierce, and he agreed, this, this is not, will not, absolutely cannot be tolerated anymore at FBC. That's not why we have this Christian school. So from now on, any acts from this day on, any acts of immorality in word or deed will result in a one-week suspension from school. The second offense will result in suspension for the entire year. You young people want to get involved in immorality, whether in word or whether in deed, be it known unto you, you will be dismissed from Fellowship Baptist Academy. We're not tolerating this. This determination will be made by myself and by Brother Pierce. The reason we are dealing with these sin issues, the reason we had sin issues, I'm sure many of you have heard about some sin issues when we sent our young people off to college days. And some of the things our young people got involved in and did. 
The reason is they haven't learned how to die. There are so many verses in the Bible. I am crucified with Christ. Death. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, which gave himself for me. You have to die before you die. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Die! And follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel, the same shall find it. we got to die. Verily, verily, I send you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it bring forth much fruit. Why don't we bring forth fruit in our Christian life? We haven't died. And until we die, we can never live. Paul said, I die daily. For you're dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died once unto sin, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead. Indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Let not sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. For me to live is Christ. To what? To die is gain. Dying before you die means that there, listen to me, there is a king that has to be crucified. And the king that has to be crucified, and the only one that can crucify it is you, is the king of self. I cannot crucify your king. You cannot crucify my king. We have to all decide that we are going to crucify our king. And it's not until that king is put to death and crucified that we are really going to live in Christ and then we can die with confidence, as Paul said, which would be gain. Galatians 5.24 says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. S-E-L-F. With the affections and lust. I want to tell you something. There's powerful affections and lust that swell up in every one of our selfish hearts. We have to kill that king. If you don't kill that king, he's going to rule on your throne. Young people, are you listening to your preacher? Preacher? 
we have the king of self that is enthroned on the hearts of many of our young people. And that's why we're having the conflicts that we are having. Cut to the chase. Quit dealing with all the surface issues. Those aren't the issues. You know when this king took the throne? The minute you were born. Psalm 58 verse 3 said, We go astray as soon as we are born, speaking lies. The king of self is in us from the very time that we are birthed into this world. We are all by nature, and some more than others, very, very self-centered. Paul said to Timothy, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Boy, do we ever see that being played out before us today. But it's not just being played out before us in the world. It's being played out before us in our homes. It's being played out before us in our churches. Listen, we're in trouble spiritually. If good churches like ours are in trouble, if we are having such a difficult time in keeping the hearts of our sons and daughters turned towards the Lord, we could only imagine what it would be if we were completely out there in the world. As I was just wrestling through this whole thing, I... I said, you know what we need? We need a mind transplant. The other day, my wife showed me a picture. She said, Dad, i got to show you this. She showed me a picture of this beautiful teenage young lady. Beautiful. I mean, like a model. My wife says, isn't she an attractive young lady? And I said, yeah, she's pretty attractive. She said, you won't believe what she looks like now. I said, well, why? She goes, well, she broke up with her boyfriend and she took a gun. She put it under her chin and she pulled the trigger and she blew her face off. And I'm telling you what, she was a monster. And so my wife read the background story to me. This poor little girl. She, is, she was so distorted that they actually, there was another young lady that had a drug overdose and they actually took the face off of another person and they put this face on her. She had a face that was transplanted onto her. And she looks so much better. But you know, we can transplant plant a lot of body parts but there's one thing you can't transplant and that's the mind we all need to have the mind of Christ 
transplanted within our minds. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We can't have the mind of Christ. We'll get out of this old world and all the filth and the rot and the wicked conversation. And we'll start meditating upon scripture and hiding God's word in our heart and living accordingly. On the way to church tonight, my grandson Zane said to me, he said, Grandpa, how come so many people don't believe in God? I said, honey, you know why they don't believe in God? Because they don't want to fall under God's authority. If there is a God, then they're accountable to him and they're answerable to him. And they don't want to be. You know why? Because the king of SELF is on their throne. So they deny their very creator. We need a mind transplant. I think we all do, but we have some young people here. I'm telling you. I'm so ashamed of you. I think I have the heart of almost all of our young people, especially if you've been with me for any period of time. I, I have the heart of most of our young people. Young people, you know I love you. But I'm ashamed of you. It's a shame that I have to call a college and apologize to the president and to the dean of students for the behavior of our young people. And in light of what's just happened to Brother Wesco, this is ridiculous. This ought not to be. But it will continue to be until we have a mind transplant. And we decide we're going to die. If we are going to have the mind of Christ, then we have to have a selfless mind. We are all so, we all are so stuck on ourselves. King S-E-L-F rules. Our text continues, let nothing be done through strife. If there's strife, God's not in it. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. What is vain glory? Trying to put yourself out there as someone better than you really are. People will think well of you. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness, humility of mind, a mind transplant. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also upon the things of others. Die before you die. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. Why are you so concerned about your reputation? We should be concerned about his reputation. Amen. 
thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and he allowed himself to be made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I want to tell you something. Listen to me. There is nothing more empty and more meaningless than living a self-centered life. Nothing. What are the marks of a self-centered life? The king of self rules. Say, where do we get that from? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Where do we get that king of self from? From the king of death himself. But there is nothing as full and as meaningful as a life that is centered upon Jesus Christ. Jesus falls on his face and he says to the Father, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but thine be done. What a difference! Between Satan saying, I will. And the Lord Jesus Christ saying, not my will. I came across this quote. I believe this quote was by Adrian Rogers. The purpose of our life is not to find freedom, but to find a master. When we find our master, then and only then will we find true freedom. Now where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. A servant of sin or a servant of righteousness? I guess it's your choice. The mind of Christ is a selfless mind, but it's also a serving mind. Let this mind get the transplant. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He took upon him the form of a servant. You know why God created you? You know why he created you? To serve. He didn't create you to be served. To have others follow you around like you're some little God. But he created you to serve. The words of the Apostle Paul, For though I be free... From all men. 
yet have I made myself a servant of all, that I might gain the more. I'm free, I don't have to do this. But I have made myself a servant to all men that I have come in contact with, that I, may, that I may win more. The mind of Christ is a selfless mind. It is a serving mind. And the last thing I want to leave you with is the mind of Christ is a sacrificial mind. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Death. Die before you die. Even the death of the cross. He laid down his life. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. A selfless mind, a serving mind, a sacrificial mind. I heard it once said, ministry that costs nothing will accomplish nothing. Did you get that, church? God has a specific ministry for each and every one of us, but I'll tell you what, it requires sacrifice. The mind transplant. The words of David, I will not offer unto the Lord that which costs me nothing. The ministry will cost you. But I want you to understand something. It's worth it. It pays great eternal dividends. And though I am getting tired and I'm being honest, I'm getting tired of dealing with all this carnality, guess what? I'm not quitting. I will still deal with it. We'll deal with it personally and we'll deal with it from this pulpit. Do you need a mind transplant? A selfless mind? A serving mind? A sacrificial mind? I'll leave you with one more quote. I don't know who it was that said this. It says, when we are on the throne, Christ is on the cross. When Christ is on the throne, we are on the cross. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.